Hello, listeners. It's Crystal Clear here. You're listening to more Morgulons. Have a great episode today. We are going to be sort of wrapping up our three-part series from last week about gang stalking with um, a brief investigation into the phenomena that's been reported by U.S. diplomats about sonic attacks, some sort of weapon that uses, I guess, uh, acoustic frequencies to cause brain injury. Um, I think if we could establish that such weapons credibly exist, then that would certainly lend a little bit more credibility to the idea that Gang stalking has a basis in reality that Morgulons could have a possible uh, man-made pathogen at its uh, origin point, which, you know, I continue to be just mystified and perplexed by this Morgulons disease. Uh, the other day, Tom, 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 Tom was here, and I felt something that kept biting my back, like around my shoulder blade, and it just kept biting me, biting me, and about the third or fourth time, I said, this is BS, something's on my back. I whipped my sweater off and handed it over to Tom, 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 and he goes, oh, this is it, here it is, and there's this initially white, then gray, almost like an inchworm or something, and this thing was moving, you know, like an inchworm does, where it, like, crunches up its whole body and then it straightens its whole body, you know? Um, I mean, we both saw it moving, for sure. And then when we tried to uh, put a camera on it, when I put the, you know, with for the, to video it, when I put the camera on it and it had the flash on and it curled up into a ball when the bright light came on it. Okay, so this is, you know... Okay, we're just like, this is a weird worm. But then when we put it in a glass jar and I start really looking at it, it's, it wasn't a worm. It was like made out of fibers or something. And it had a big, long, what looked like my hair, like wrapped around it. Just like the uh, Monster Galan that I told y'all about way back when. Those like weird fur balls that are encased within a hairball. After this, quote, worm curled up into a ball, it looked like a fuzzball. I mean, how is that something from nature? How can a freaking fuzzball be a worm, but the worm also be a fuzzball? It, it, what is going on? Russia, if your idea of um, biological warfare is sweater worms, I, I don't know whether to applaud you or laugh in your face. Uh, same to you, China. All right, stay tuned. All right, all right. Morgies, we are not the only people with a mysterious disease. Uh, yes, that is right. This is from a New York Times article um, that came out October 21st, <clears throat> very recently, very recently, uh, by Laura Jakes and Edward Wong in the New York Times. It's called U.S. Still Seeking Clues to Mystery Illness Afflicting Diplomats and Spies. Interesting that we have this occurring in the intelligence community and uh, the State Department in general. Secretary of State Mike 
pompous-ass Pompeo said officials continued to investigate the episode, which began in 2016, but diplomats and CIA officers have accused the administration of a cover-up. CIA, I guess you don't like tasting your own medicine. Now, do you? Who the hell would? Um, Washington, the U.S. government has not determined what caused some American diplomats and intelligence officers to suffer from a mysterious, debilitating affliction while they were overseas, despite devoting vast resources over more than three years to investigate it. Sound familiar? Sounds like the uh, CDC study on Morgulans, doesn't it? Yeah, we did a three-year-long study, couldn't find anything. You couldn't find anything or you couldn't talk about the things you found. You didn't really look. A big mystery to me why this uh, should remain so mysterious after throwing this many resources into it for this long. But anyway, anyway, um, so that's what Mike Pompeo said, um, that they, they devoted all these resources to it, can't figure it out. Uh, starting in late 2016, dozens of American officials and family members living in Cuba and China or traveling for work in other countries, including Russia, reported contracting an illness that has become known as Havana syndrome based on where it first publicly emerged. The symptoms included headaches, memory loss, vertigo or dizziness, nausea, bloody noses and hearing strange sounds. So the theory that some scientists floated about the cause of this uh, actually being the sound of some kind of freaking cricket or something in Havana. I don't think this cricket exists in the ecosystems of China, Cuba, and Russia. Sorry. Some U.S. officials, including experienced CIA analysts and scientists, believe the victims were targeted by a foreign adversary wielding weaponized microwave radiation. Russia beamed microwaves at the American embassy in Moscow in the 1970s and the 1980s, and it has more recently harassed diplomats and fueled violence against American soldiers. Other U.S. officials and scientists say the injuries may be the product of a psychological illness or even pesticides. We get this pesticides excuse a whole lot. There's been some interesting uh, work done on pesticide research recently. Maybe we'll talk about that later this week, but... Um, all I can say is it seems like we ought to stay away from the pesticides, y'all. Uh, although I don't buy this as the etiology of uh, these people's reported illness. Um, and of course, they try to blame it on a psychological illness. When you don't know what it is, just pull out the mass hysteria card. Uh, Mr. Pompeo, who was the CIA director before leading the State Department, said the government was still examining multiple theories in what he described as a, quote, very complicated situation. There is not yet any complete U.S. government analysis which definitively tells us precisely how these all came to be, whether they're part of a single cohort, Mr. Pompeo said at a news conference. There are significant U.S. government resources now, what, three-plus years on, devoted to getting to the bottom of this and then holding those responsible accountable should we determine that that's required, he said. Mr. Pompeo was responding to a reporter's question about what the State Department was doing to protect diplomats and why there appeared to be deep disparities in the response to the episode in Cuba compared to the one in China. Mr. Pompeo took umbrage at the question. Yeah, that question is kind of like, when did you stop beating your wife? Mr. Pompeo said, right, right? Oh, my God. These are <laughs> these are our representatives, America. Um, 
The question referred to the findings of separate investigations in the New York Times and GQ published on Monday. Many U.S. government employees and family members who left China in 2018 after falling ill have had to fight to the Trump administration for benefits. We know what that's like, Morgies, and some say that has led to retaliation by the government. Some victims are believed to be permanently injured. Ugh, bless their hearts. The article also revealed new victims. CIA officers who had recently made short trips overseas, one suspected attack, took place in Moscow. In other cases, the officers were meeting with partner intelligence agencies to discuss plans to counter Russian covert operations, the Times found. Hmm, I wonder what kind. Uh, Gina Haspel, the CIA director, is not convinced Russia carried out attacks that caused the illnesses, officials said. Russia has denied any role. Of course they have. Of course they have. Plausible deniability is the cornerstone of their strategy uh, to defeat the United States uh, and all their other enemies. They poison people with Russian-made poison. And then when you ask them about it, they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Do you know what you're talking about, Natasha? Uh, the investigations led to some lawmakers criticizing the Trump administration over the reported mistreatment of diplomats and spies. The lawmakers are also calling for Mr. Pompeo and other top officials, top officials to stop concealing information on the suspected attacks. That would be great. Senator Jean Shaheen, Democrat of New Hampshire, said on Tuesday that the articles were, quote, deeply troubling and should spur the Trump administration to do everything in its power to protect federal employees from these attacks and investigate the full scope of this threat. Yeah, that would be nice because if they're doing it to American citizens that are not part of the State Department or intelligence community, that would be good to know. I assume we probably never will. These findings should put an end to the foot-dragging evasiveness and obstruction of the State Department to deliver benefits to all of these injured federal employees and their families and get to the bottom about what happened, she added. A half dozen American officials told the Times that the Trump administration's responses to the suspected attacks varied based on political considerations. In Cuba, where President Trump sought to undo President Barack Obama's reproachment, the State Department withdrew all but a handful of American diplomats. It also expelled Cuban diplomats from the United States. But the administration took a softer approach in China as Mr. Trump pursued a trade agreement a trade agreement with Jinping, the authoritarian leader whom the president praises. Of course, he loves his dictators. And Mr. Trump has also tried strengthening ties with President Vladimir V. Putin of Russia. Yeah, Trump is basically his little wannabe butt boy. We know that from Helsinki. On Wednesday, Mr. Pompeo said that there were no politics attached to this. And it was patently false, clearly false, unambiguously false, that the administration's responses to the episodes were conditioned on political goals. I don't think it's patently, clearly, or unambiguously false. I mean, how do you explain then the disparity in the treatment between the Cuban victims and the China and Russia, the Chinese and Russian victims. I mean, come on, this is, this is insane. Um, we don't want any country around the world to think for a moment that they can do something and we won't take serious action, Mr. Pompeo said. And yet Russia has continued to target our soldiers without any sort of sanctioning or response that's appropriate, but you know. 
The State Department has refused to provide basic information to Congress about the episodes, even obscuring the number of American government employees and family members affected worldwide. Lawmakers and scientists also fear the department is trying to bury a detailed report on the episodes it received in August from a committee at the National Academy of Sciences. On Tuesday, after the Times reported on the State Department's refusal to release the report to the public or Congress, Representative Ted Liu, Democrat of California, said on Twitter that he had just directed aides to request the report from the department. He wrote, there's no reason at Secretary Pompeo should be hiding this information from the American people. Mark Polymeropoulos, a 26-year CIA clandestine officer who re- retired after the suspected attack in Moscow left him with constant migraines, said Wednesday that the current situation was similar to an earlier instance in which the U.S. government refused to recognize combat injuries. This is the CIA's Gulf War Syndrome, he said. That is really interesting. I want to know what the earlier reports had said um on these type of weapons um let's see if we can just real quickly get a little bit of a reference here uh microwave weapons are prime suspect in ills of u.s embassy workers this is a 2018 new york times article that this one links to doctors and scientists say microwave strikes may have caused sonic delusions and very real brain damage among MC staff and family members by William J. Broad, September 1st, 2018. During the Cold War, Washington feared that Moscow was seeking to turn microwave radiation into covert weapons of mind control. Here we are back again on the mind control thing. More recently, the American military itself sought to develop microwave arms that could invisibly beam painfully loud booms and even spoken words into people's heads. Uh, That's creepy. When was this? The aims were to disable attackers and wage psychological warfare. Now doctors and scientists say such unconventional weapons may have caused the baffling symptoms and ailments that starting in late 2016 hit more than three dozen American diplomats and family members in Cuba and China. The Cuban incidents resulted in a diplomatic rupture between Havana and Washington. The medical team that examined 21 affected diplomats from Cuba made no mention of microwaves in its detailed report published in the Journal of American Medical American Medical Association in March. But Douglas H. Smith, the study's lead author and director at, of the Center for Brain Injury and Repair at the University of Pennsylvania, said in a recent interview that microwaves were now considered a main suspect, a main suspect and that the team was increasingly sure that diplomats had suffered brain injury. Everybody was relatively skeptical at first, he said, and now everyone agrees there's something there. Dr. Smith remarked that the diplomats and doctors jokingly refer to the trauma as the immaculate concussion. Yeah, great joke. Strikes with microwaves, some experts now argue, more plausibly explain reports of painful sounds, ills, and traumas than do other possible culprits. Sonic attacks, viral infections, and contagious anxiety. So they're saying it's not a sonic weapon, it's a microwave weapon. Okay, so that's a clear that's a clarification that I've yet to get and um and grateful for. In particular, a growing number of analysts cite an eerie phenomenon known as the Fry effect. We've heard of this, named after Alan H. Fry, an American scientist. Long ago, he found that microwaves can trick the brain into perceiving what seem to be ordinary sounds. Hearing microwaves, scientists have known for decades that the brain can perceive some microwaves as sounds. So then they've got a graphic and it says microwaves hitting the head in the area around the temporal lobe were perceived as sound in a 1962 experiment. Several theories have sought to explain the exact mechanism, but it remains in dispute. 
Sound waves entering the ear make the eardrum vibrate. These vibrations are conveyed to the cochlea and converted into electrical signals. Signals. The brain's temporal lobes receive signals from the ears and process them into sounds of speech. The false sensations, the experts say, may account for a defining symptom of the diplomatic incidents, the perception of loud noises, including ringing, buzzing, and grinding. Initially, experts cited those symptoms as evidence of stealthy attacks with sonic weapons. Members of Jason, a secretive group of elite scientists that helps the federal government assess new threats to national security say it has been scrutinizing the diplomatic mystery this summer and weighing possible explanations, including microwaves. Ask about the microwave theory of the case. The State Department said the investigation had yet to identify the cause or source of the attacks, and the FBI declined to comment on the status of the investigation or any theories. The microwave idea teams with unanswered questions. Who fired the beams? The Russian government? The Cuban government? A rogue Cuban faction sympathetic to Moscow? And if so, where did the attackers get the unconventional arms? At his home outside Washington, Mr. Fry, the scientist who uncovered the neural phenomenon, said federal investigators have questioned him on the diplomatic riddle and that microwave radiation is considered a possible cause. Mr. Fry, now 83, has traveled widely and long served as a contractor and a consultant to a number of federal agencies. He speculated that Cubans aligned with Russia, the nation's longtime ally, might have launched microwave strikes in attempts to undermine developing ties between Cuba and the United States. It's a possibility, he said at his kitchen table. In dictatorships, you often have factions that think nothing of going against the general policy if it suits their needs. I think that's a perfectly viable explanation. Developing a new class of weapons. Microwaves are ubiquitous in modern life. The short radio waves power radars, cook foods, relay messages, and link cell phones to antenna towers. They're a form of electromagnetic radiation on the same spectrum as light and x-rays, only at the opposite end. While radio broadcasting can employ waves a million, a mile, can employ waves a mile or more in length, microwaves range in size from roughly a foot to a tiny fraction of an inch. They're seen as harmless in such everyday uses in microwaving foods, but their diminutive size also enables tight focusing as when dish antennas turn disorganized rays into concentrated beams. The dimensions of the human head, scientists say, make it a fairly good antenna for picking up microwave signals. Mr. Fry, a biologist, said he stumbled on the acoustic effect in 1960 while working for General Electric's Advanced Electronics Center at Cornell University. A man who measured radar signals at a nearby GE facility came up to him in a meeting and confided that he could hear the beams, pulses, zip, zip, zip. Intrigued, Mr. Fry traveled to the man's workplace in Syracuse and positioned himself in a radar beam. Low, he recalled, I could hear it too. Mr. Fry's resulting papers reporting that even deaf people could hear the false sounds founded a new field of study on radiation's neural impacts. Mr. Fry's first paper in 1961 reported that power density is 160 times lower than, quote, the standard maximum safe level for continuous exposure could induce the sonic delusions. Wow, this is really interesting. Okay, I'm going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Okay, we were just talking about the sonic delusions that could be that could be potentially induced from 
microwave attacks. Bizarre, creepy. Fry's first paper in 1961 reported that power density is 160 times lower than the, quote, standard maximum safe level for continuous exposure, quote, could induce sonic delusions. His second paper in 1962 pinpointed the brain's receptor site as the temporal lobes, which extend beneath the temples. Each lobe bears a small region, the auditory cortex, that processes nerve signals from the outer and inner ears. Investigators raced to confirm and extend Mr. Fry's findings. At first, they named the phenomenon after him, but eventually called it the microwave auditory effect, and in time, more generally, radio frequency hearing. The Soviets took notice. Not long after his initial discoveries, Mr. Fry said he was invited by the Soviet Academy of Sciences to visit and lecture. Toward the end, in a surprise, he was taken outside Moscow to a military base surrounded by armed guards and barbed wire fences. They had me visiting the various labs and discussing the problems, including the neural impacts of microwaves, Mr. Fry recalled. I got an inside look at their classified program. Moscow was so intrigued by the prospect of mind control that it adopted a special terminology for the overall class of envisioned arms, calling them psychophysical and psychotronic. Soviet research on microwaves for, quote, internal sound perception, the Defense Intelligence Agency warned in 1976, showed great promise for, quote, disrupting the behavioral patterns of military or diplomatic personnel. Furtively, globally, the threat grew. The National Security Agency gave Mark S. Zaid, a Washington lawyer who routinely gets security clearances to discuss classified matters, a statement on how a foreign power built a weapon, quote, designed to bathe a target's living quarters in microwaves, causing numerous physical effects, including a damaged nervous system. Mr. Zaid said in an, said a, a NSA client of his who traveled there watched in disbelief as his nervous system later unraveled, starting with control of his fingers. The high-pitched chirping that diplomats heard while working at the Consulate General of the United States in Guangzhou, I can't say that, China, might be explained by a phenomenon known as the Fry Effect, radio frequency hearing. Washington, too, foresaw new kinds of arms. In Albuquerque, New Mexico, Air Force scientists sought to beam comprehensible speech into the heads of adversaries. Their novel approach won a patent in 2002 and an update in 2003. Both were assigned to the Air Force Secretary, helping limit the idea's dissemination. The lead inventor said the research team had, quote, experimentally demonstrated that the, quote, signal is intelligible. As for the invention's uses, an Air Force disclosure form listed the first application as psychological warfare. Wow, this is disturbing as fuck. The Navy sought to paralyze. The Fry effect was to induce sounds powerful enough to cause painful discomfort and, if needed, leave targets unable to move. The weapon, the Navy noted, would have a, quote, low probability of fatalities or permanent injuries. In a twist, the 2003 contract was awarded to microwave experts who had immigrated to the United States from Russia and Ukraine. It is unknown if Washington deploys such arms, but the Pentagon built a related weapon known as the active denial system, hailing it in a video. It fires an invisible beam meant to deter mobs and attackers with fiery sensations. Russia, China, and many European states are seen as having the know-how to make basic microwave weapons that can, debili- that can debilitate, so noise, or even kill. Advanced powers, experts say, might accomplish more nuanced aims, such as beaming spoken words into people's heads. Only intelligence agencies that know which nations actually possess and use such unfamiliar arms. The basic weapon might look like a satellite dish. In theory, such a device might be handheld or mounted in a van, car, boat, or helicopter. Microwave arms are seen as typically working 
working over relatively short distances across the length of a few rooms or blocks. High-powered ones might be able to fire beams across several football fields or even for several miles. The Soviet, uh, the episode in Cuba, the Soviet collapse in 1991 cut Russia's main ties to Cuba, a longtime ally just 90 miles from the United States. The shaky economy first forced Moscow to stop providing Hannah with large amounts of oil and other aid. Vladimir Putin, as Russia's president and prime minister, sought to recover the economic, political and strategic clout that the Soviets had lost in December 2000, months after the start of his first presidential term, Mr. Putin flew to the island nation. It was the first visit by a Soviet or Russian leader since the Cold War. He also sought to resurrect Soviet work on psychoactive arms. In 2012, he declared that Russia would pursue, quote, new instruments for achieving political and strategic goals, including psychophysical weapons. In July 2014, Mr. Putin again visited Cuba. This time he brought a gift, the cancellation of some $30 billion in Cuban debt. The two nations signed a dozen accords. A Russian spy ship, Viktor Leonov, docked, docked in Havana on the eve of the beginning of reconciliation talks between Cuba and the United States in early 2015 and did so again in subsequent years. Moscow and Havana grew so close that in late 2016, the two nations signed a sweeping pact on defense and technology cooperation. As a candidate, Donald Trump faulted the Obama administration normalization policy as a, quote, very weak agreement and threatened to scrap it on reaching the White House. Weeks after he won the election in late November 2016, the American embassy in Havana found itself battling a mysterious crisis. Diplomats and their families recounted high-pitched sounds in homes and hotel rooms at times intense enough to incapacitate. Long-term, the symptoms included nausea, crushing headaches, fatigue, dizziness, sleeping problems, and hearing loss. The State Department filed a diplomatic protest and the Cuban, go- not, and the Cuban government denied involvement. In May, the FBI opened investigation, and its agents began visiting Havana a half year after the incidents began. The last major one hit that summer in August, giving the agents relatively little time to gather clues. In September 2017, the Trump administration warned travelers away from Cuba and ordered home roughly half the diplomatic personnel. Rex Tillerson, who was then the Secretary of State, said the embassy staff had been targeted deliberately, but he refrained from blaming Cuba, and federal officials held out the possibility that a third party might have been responsible. In early October, President Trump expelled 15 Cuban diplomats, producing a chill between the nations. Administration critics said the White House was using the health issue as a pretext to end President Barack Obama's reconciliation policy. The day after the expulsions, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee held a closed, top-secret hearing on the Cuba situation. Three State Department officials testified, as did an unnamed senior officer of the CIA. The hypothesis. Early this year in January, the spooky impact of microwaves on the human brain never came up during an open Senate hearing on the Cuba crisis. But in a scientific paper that same month, James C. Lynn of the University of Illinois, a leading investigator of the Fry effect, described the diplomatic ills as plausibly arising from microwave beams. Dr. Lynn is the editor-in-chief of Bioelectric Magnetics, a peer-reviewed journal that explores the effects of radio waves and electromagnetic fields on living things. In his paper, he said high-intensity beams from microwaves could have caused the diplomats to experience not just loud noises, but headaches. Uh, nausea, vertigo, as well as possible brain tissue injury. The beams, he added, could be fired covertly, hitting only the intended target. In February, ProPublica, in a lengthy investigation, mentioned that federal investigators were weighing the microwave theory. Separately, it told of an intriguing find. The wife of a member of the embassy staff, it reported, had looked outside her home after hearing the disturbing sounds and seen a van speeding away. 
a dish antenna could easily fit into a small van. The medical team that studied the Cuba diplomats ascribed the symptoms in the March uh, JAMA study to an unknown energy source that was highly directional. Some personnel, it noted, had covered their ears and heads but experienced no sound reduction. The team said the diplomats appeared to have developed signs of concussion without having received any blows to the head. In May, reports emerged that American diplomats in China had suffered similar trauma. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo called the medical details of the two groups very similar and entirely consistent with one another. By late June, the State Department had evacuated at least 11 Americans from China. To date, the most detailed medical case for microwave strikes has been made by Beatrice A. Golomb, a medical doctor and professor of medicine at the University of California, San Diego, in a forthcoming paper to be published in October in Neural Computation, a peer-reviewed journal of the MIT Press. She lays out potential medical evidence for Cuban microwave strikes. She compared the symptoms of the diplomats in Cuba to those reported for individuals said to be suffering from radio frequency sickness. The health responses of the two groups, Dr. Gollum wrote, conform closely. In closing, she argued that numerous highly specific features of the diplomatic incidents fit the hypothesis of microwave attack, including the fry-type production of disturbing sounds. Scientists still disagree over what hit the diplomats. Last month, JAMA ran four letters critical of the March study, some faulting the report for ruling out mass hysteria. But Mr. Zaid, the Washington lawyer who represents eight of the diplomats and family members, said microwave attacks may have injured his clients. It's sort of naive to think this just started now. He said globally, he added, covert strikes with the, with the potent beams appear to have been going on for decades. Francisco Palmieri, a State Department official, was asked during the open Senate hearing if attacks against U.S. personnel in Cuba had been raised with Moscow. That's a very good question, Mr. Palmieri Maria replied, but addressing it, he added, would require a classified setting. For his part, Mr. Fry says he doubts the case will be solved anytime soon. The novelty of the crisis its sporadic nature in the foreign setting made it hard for federal investigators to gather clues and draw conclusions, he said, much less file charges. Based on what I know, he remarked, it will remain a mystery. Oh, so many mysteries, y'all.